Hi everyone and welcome back to VLGA Connect in our weekly newsroom feature with the CEO of the VLGA, Catherine Arndt. Hi Catherine. Hi Chris, how are you today? I'm going very well, thank you. On a very cold, blustery, rainy Friday. Isn't it extraordinary the weather patterns? It is. When we think about what the weather was like on the weekend, um, I, well certainly Sunday or one of the days I remember was quite um, beautiful and yeah. everyone was out and about perhaps a little closer than they should have been in um, the current uh, restricted in, in self-distancing environment. But anyway. Um, yes, that's perhaps a blessing in disguise. It'll keep people indoors when they might be tempted to do other things just for indeed. the time being. So um, obviously the, t the hot topic at the moment is the analysis that everyone's doing of nominations for council elections now that they've closed and the election is on good and proper. What are your high level observations of who's nominated and who hasn't perhaps? Well, really interesting, Chris. Of course, there was a lot of speculation that there would be less people standing in these elections because of COVID and in particular, less women potentially, but the stats, um, certainly um, that very quick analysis would show us that there are more candidates indeed. Uh, I think we're up, to, well, there's 2,187 candidates in this election, which is slightly up from the 2,149 in the 2016 election. Which, which looks even better when you think that there are three councils that aren't going to election this year. Indeed. So there's actually approximately 617 positions up for grab as opposed to 648. So about 31 um, mm. council positions across those three councils that aren't, um, of course, are up for election. Yeah. Good news for, um, for women, I guess, is that women account for approximately 40% of the total number of candidates whereas in 2016, they accounted for only 34% of total number of candidates. So given that history has shown us that women indeed have a, a better chance of being elected if they nominate than men, um, that we should see, you know, an increase in the number of um, women councillors at the end of this election. Well, let's hope so. Uh, there, there was, of course, um, quite a bit of conjecture that the COVID-19 situation would lead to less candidates, less women candidates, uh, perhaps more uh, uncontested elections. That's another interesting mm. measure. The uncontested elections, I believe, are 26 this time around, which is about a dozen less than last time. So many of those predictions have failed to, uh, to come to pass, which is good news. It is good news. Of course, the ideal situation would be that we have no uncontested uh, wards, but it's great that it's come down. Um, I, I think that really reflects the interest people are taking in um, local government elections. Mm -hmm. And also um, perhaps that's related to the experience that COVID has given us of having to live and work more in our communities than we may have done pre-COVID. So we're really experiencing firsthand the importance of community, the importance of the municipal uh, district and the services that local government does provide. Um, and I think that there's a lot of interest from people to participate as 
candidates and also hopefully um, and just as importantly as voters. And we always learn something new, don't we? So this time around, there are two failed elections, they're called, uh, which uh, I can't recall. I'm sure it's happened, but I can't recall it. So two rural um, shires, Northern Grampians and Hindmarsh, have a ward each, as I understand it, with no candidates. So what happens there is a by-election, but I'm, I'm not clear, I don't know if you are, on the timing of the by-elections to fill those positions. Oh, look, I haven't got my head around that, Chris, but I'm sure, I'm sure we'll find out. Um, and there's probably some information on the VEC website about what does happen in those circumstances. Okay, so all in all, uh, pretty positive at this stage. And of course, now the, the, work, the hard work to campaign and uh, get yourself noticed if you're a candidate happens with ballot packs going out from memory around the 6th of October, so the week after next. So this period between now and then is really where you need to be working to get the attention of voters, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I can assure you, certainly from what I'm seeing and hearing on social media, um, that that is indeed happening. I think candidates are very aware of, of the importance of, of this time now to campaign. The fact that it's probably our first ever digital or fully digital social media campaigning election. And from what I can see, most candidates have embraced that. Another interesting stat is there are 183 councillors not recontesting in these elections. 17 of those are current mayors and 91 of those are first term councillors. So they've served one term on council and have decided not to stand again. Now, we probably don't want to open up that can of worms again, but we remember there was that speculation or call to defer the elections um, because of COVID. And some of the reasons why um, you wouldn't defer an election was around councillor fatigue and the fact that there were councillors who were looking at retiring, of not standing again, who really did just want to, you know, get out of there. And I think that those numbers probably reflect that as well. It's been a really big term, four years, for the sector. We've had, you know, mayors, councillors in bushfire-affected communities. Then immediately on the back end of that, we've had, had COVID. So there is a lot of fatigue. And what that would have resulted in if the election was deferred and those councillors chose to just step down anyway... Um, we would have had a failed election in that, well, a by-election would have had to have been called. That's interesting. I was just thinking that, that number. So that's more than a quarter, nearly a third of councillor positions are being vacated by existing councillors. I don't know if whether you know uh, how that compares to previous elections, but I'm struck by if 91 of those are first-term councillors, that means 92 of them are longer term councillors. And I've seen a little bit of discussion already about some of the knowledge that is being lost to the sector. And you've got to have that health to change over, of course, and you don't begrudge people once they've done their, done their time, their service uh, to move on. But it is an issue, I think, to be losing so much of that um, stability um, at one time. Look, potentially, I think, um, well, you know, time will tell. Uh, and we must, on that point, acknowledge um, Coral Ross, Councillor Coral Ross, also president of the MAV and long-term councillor at Burundara, I think 18 years, um, is not standing again. And we certainly acknowledge and congratulate Coral for her contribution to her community and also the sector. 
and wish her the very uh, best in her whatever her next career or path might take her. Um, it was really interesting, Chris. I, I had the pleasure of joining Warwick Long on the Conversation Hour this morning on the ABC to talk about why local government was important. And I actually got bumped by the Premier. So my, my conversation was cut short. But look, you know, if it, it was the Premier, that was okay. I was fine with that. And um, what I really didn't get a chance to get into, of course, in my conversation with Warwick was the significant responsibilities of councillors, the governance responsibilities, the mm. fact that single policy issues and even political agendas need to be left outside the door of the council chamber when they come in. And voters themselves need to really understand that when they're looking at um, candidate material in front of them and, and I guess informing the way in which they vote because if they understand that, then voting for a candidate who might have a single policy issue may not necessarily reflect then in that issue. It's not really the role of that councillor to take that into the chamber because they're, you know, at that high governance level. Yes. One of the reasons why I couldn't get into that with Warwick, A, apart from my time being cut short, was the phones were running hot on the program from people wanting to talk about it. The majority of the people, in fact, I'd say 99.9% .9 of the people on the phone were candidates. No. Any opportunity, Chris, to, um, <laughs> to announce your candidacy. And I, I must acknowledge, I, I congratulate the, um, those, those callers for the initiative of jumping on the line and taking that opportunity. So, by the course of the conversation, sort of got more around the campaigning nature than why people should be looking at the, 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 the scope and complexity of the responsibilities. It, it makes sense. Uh, at the moment, there's so many limited opportunities to, to, to get yourself known. I imagine a lot of smart candidates are spending a lot of time with one ear on talkback radio looking for opportunities to, to get themselves on the air to, uh, to express opinions about things. And good luck to them if they manage to, uh, to cut through. Absolutely, indeed. Um, in fact, it's been a big day on the ABC for the VLGA today. We had um, Andrea Carson, Dr. Andrea Carson, on the uh, ABC program this morning talking about the fabulous ARC uh, grant that's been awarded to the VLGA in partnership with Melbourne University and La Trobe University. And that project, we've had Andrea and Leah on the program um, talking yes. about um, how that will follow the trajectory of women candidates in these elections over the course of the next four years, so essentially a term. And for the first time, we'll have disaggregated data that we don't currently have access to that will provide us with some, I guess, hard evidence of, of, of what are the barriers for, for gender equality and also hopefully, and I don't expect it will show us anything other than reinforce the importance of having um, that equal representation around um, the council chamber. So really pleased that that will now kick off. And all candidates, um, you will be receiving a survey um, that Leah and Andrea are conducting as part of this research project. And we do ask that you complete and return that. It won't take you very long to complete, about 10, 10 minutes, but this is a critical starting point of being able to collect that data.
I was just looking while you were speaking for the episode number where we do spend some time talking to uh, Leah and Andrea, and I've just found it. It's episode 57, if you'd wow, like to go back. Wow, that's so long ago. Is that 50 episodes ago now? Uh, almost, yes. This, I think, is 106, Catherine, this particular episode. So, yes, 50 episodes back, uh, you can find a, a more detailed discussion about that very topic, which uh, I think is uh, really, really timely, especially now that we're moving through the uh, through the election period. So while you were talking about the roles and responsibilities of, of, of the council or uh, in terms of decision-making, et cetera, another really important role or responsibility that councillors are going to have just post the election is choosing the mayor, choosing their leader for the first, uh, for the first term, or the first period within the term. And we've put together a fabulous panel. You and I have put together a fabulous panel in, in effect yeah, uh, yes. to discuss the role of mayor coming up uh, 28th of October. Do you want to tell people who we've got, uh, who we're bringing together? We've got uh, Judy Verlin, who is a, uh, I think she was a three-time mayor in Ballarat, a uh, long-term councillor since retired. Um, we have, we'll have a representative from Justicia Lawyers, uh, also Nolene Duff, um, I probably don't need to introduce Nolene to our viewers. She'll be well known. And also Peter Stevenson. Uh, so really engaging panel who know what they're talking about. And the topic is the role of mayor more than just the title. Because, of course, it is. And there are responsibilities clearly outlined in the Local Government Act for the mayor. And councils, some of whom are already scheduling when they will have their meeting to elect the mayor post the election as early as the 16th of November. Remembering elections may not be de declared until the 13th of November. It's really critical that everyone watch this program and join in before they go to that meeting where A, they either throw their hand up for the position or decide who they're going to elect. So that will be another joint VLGA-LG Pro event on the 28th of October. We've even got another one happening before then on the circular economy, which we probably don't have uh, enough time to talk about today, but there is time uh, coming up in the next few weeks. Just wanted to mention that uh, all of um, the CEOs out there in the sector should have received the VLGA's candidate um, induction training prospectus. Um, we've had lots of interest expressed um, from the sector about that training. It will be, of course, above and beyond the mandatory induction training that's yet to be finalised and released by LGV. But please take a look at that. If you haven't seen it, uh, get in contact with us and we'll, we'll send it through. Thank you, Catherine. Always good to talk. Uh, I've got a feeling we're going to have a lot to talk about over the next few weeks as this campaign unfolds. And I look forward to checking in with you again next week in the newsroom. Yeah, always a pleasure, Chris. See you then.